next guest was a Scottish internationalist. He plays on the Pro Golf Tour and currently on the Tartan Pro Tour. And he is also taking part in the Winter Alliance. Welcome, Phil McQueen. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hi. Lovely to have you on, Philip. Yeah, no problem. I'm looking forward to it. Mm. So, Philip, you grew up in Peterhead. How has growing up in Peterhead kind of developed you as a golfer? Um, oh, hitting low balls. <laughs> um, Peterhead's been good. Um, for a young age, um, probably took golf pretty serious, maybe 12 year old, and we had a really good junior section. Um, so the eight man, well, eight, eight juniors, there was actually seven a handicap to get in at number eight, so it was a really good level, um, which was really good. So it was always sort of competitive games. Um, every, every night after school, there was always guys to go over with, whereas now you're seeing guys that's continue going over with a dad because there's no juniors to actually play with, um, which is not the case for us um, back in the day, which was really good. Um, also, being so far north, it actually taught you as well to, to kind of get used to traveling. Because, I mean, every weekend, continually down to Edinburgh, Glasgow sort of way. And obviously, I was quite lucky with my dad that he was willing to actually come and drive me pretty much every weekend. So I was pretty fortunate. There was actually a, another guy, Darren Watson, as well, that traveled um, with us. Um, he was a Peterhead member at the time, so that was really good. The two of us would play practice rounds together, Scottish boys, um, events like that. So that was good. It was good growing up in Peterhead. Um, also, I mean, because it's a windy place, I mean, you've got to learn how to how to hit certain shots. You can't just be bogged to hit in a standard height seven iron. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it's been good. Fine. Do you uh, do you still hold the course uh, the course record in Peterhead? I do, I So I've shot um, 63 three times, which is seven under. Um, still stands just now. Um, uh, there is a few new keys, but I mean, they've, they've never really been used. So I dare say mm-hmm. if they do use them, there will be a new one. Yeah. Um, it was funny, a few years ago, one of my good pals is a three handicapper and Shot 64 in the Wednesday medal <laughs> with a triple with a triple bogey at 12. So to be honest, he should have actually beaten my course record. Um, mm-hmm. But he actually texted me that night. He's like, "You're a lucky lad um, <laughs> because I've just shot 64 with a triple." So I was actually quite delighted to be honest. Right. Um, so no. Yeah. So obviously, recently for you as well, things have changed a bit because you've got a wee one in the house now. Yeah, we've got. Uh, um, Little Amelia, so she's uh-huh. just three months old yesterday. Um, so no, things have been fine. Um, Nicola, Nicola's doing good as well. Um, bit of a change in the household, I suppose. You forget what the normal norm was. Um, yeah. Now this is the new norm. Yeah. Um, changing nappies at two in the morning, and mm-hmm. it's just just what you've got to do. It is living, getting a bit easier. Living the dream. Yeah, uh, it is getting a bit easier. Well. I've I've got two kids, Phil, as you probably know, and uh, I'd like to tell you that it gets easier, but I can't lie to you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they can't. Uh, yeah. but well, we're st- we're starting to starting to get like smiles and stuff in the morning, so it is very good. Um, yeah, and even like last week, I was down playing at St Andrews and came back early, 
practice, like maybe home at three o'clock or something, then the rest of the day you're just literally holding her. Mm. Um, but that's the thing that I've noticed that's a big difference that you could get wrapped into doing that quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and it takes up a lot of your time. Um, your your day really does go. Um, so like today I've taken the day off, spent a bit of time with Nicola. And you get up at like eight o'clock and you gets to 12 and you think I've literally done nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was sit, sit, in the, sit in the house and literally just holding her and watching her watch Disney films. <laughs> have you cut, have I you love cut when you said that we're getting woken up with smiles, you know, because Darren's normally woken up with a piece of Lego been pressed into his. Oh, uh, I, well, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. You're, saying you're, you're getting all these firsts just now. You're getting your first, you know, the first time that they make a noise, the first time they, mm-hmm. they smile at you, mm-hmm. they look at you, they're this, that. Yeah. Wait until the first tantrum comes. Yeah. And then yeah. the first time they talk back, oh, it's brilliant, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, have, you, have, you, have you got an old seven iron cut down for her yet? None yet, no. I, um, I, was actually cleaning, I was actually cleaning my grips before, I think it was Carnoustie, I think. So clean the grips about three times a year and cleaned them and so I dried the five iron and put the five iron grip into her hand for, as a laugh. So she's she's touched the golf club already. So uh, yeah. good. Starting young, right? Yeah. Um so we kind of mentioned earlier that you're you're playing in the pro golf tour normally. Um we've had other guys like Kev Duncan and that on that, that play that tour with you. Yeah. What was it that kind of attracted you to playing on that? So the Pro Golf Tour um, used to be called the EPD, European Development Tour. Um, it's a German-based thing, it's very, very equivalent to the Europro, very similar. Um, but back maybe six years ago, it was actually like really like register first and you're in the event. There was no category. So the winter stuff in Turkey was like maybe 90 players in the field and literally the entry opened at 12 o'clock midday. And the first 90 guys entered got in. So um, there was a few of us in the Northeast that did that early on. Um, so we played that um, for the year. And then it turned into getting really busy uh, as a tour. So they went down the category system, which it should be. And I've kept a category like ever since. So I've kind of stuck with that tour. I mean, I have played a few Euro pros. And what I would say is... The top end is very similar um, when you see the scoring and stuff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes our cuts are, could be like one over, and you see the Europro could be maybe one under, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I would say is the difference. But the top end, guys at the end of the season that are finishing top five, they, they're very similar, very similar level. Mm-hmm. It's got to be nice playing in Morocco or something rather than the southeast of England as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. working I your mean, we are lucky um, that we start in January, um, yeah. so we're playing like Egypt, Morocco, um, and then obviously come come so end of April we're into Europe and Germany, Austria and stuff. But no, it's good to it's good to travel, and I mean I've I've kind of been used to that since I was probably 15, 16. That I've always been on the airplanes and driving about, so it's kind of it is the norm um, yeah. for me. So no, it's been good and. Uh, maybe next year try and get back into it. You've also been keeping it local though, playing on the Tartan Boat Tour recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, how's that been compared to playing in the sunshine? I've really enjoyed it. Um, honestly, Paul and Michael and the rest of the guys have done a great job organising it. Uh, the, I mean, the events themselves have been good. The, the courses have been great. 
But it's actually been good to see guys that I've not seen for the past 10 years, guys that I grew up playing uh, Scottish amateur stuff with, that are now playing Europro and I've not seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been good to play that. But I mean, I mean, the biggest thing is playing golf. And I mean, if Paul didn't step up, we have got nothing to play this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, he's got six events in September. Has been a busy month, but it's been absolutely brilliant, to, to be honest. Um, I've had a couple of good ones, kind of steady weeks at the par three, finished seventh, thirteenth um, at Dornoch. Um, I wasn't so good last week at St Andrews, finishing high thirties, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's been really good and um, good to kind of keep competitive, I suppose. So. Which uh, which one of the events was your favourite so far? Um, for me, like if we had playing point, I would probably say Dornick. Um, like going back up there, the last time I was up there was 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's tough to tough to argue with Carnoustie. I mean, Carnoustie, you kind of locked down for a five, five and a half month or something. And you first one back, you're playing a top major course. And um, no, it was, it, was, it was really good, really good. What did the you conditions look quite tough in Dornick? Um, it was. It was quite. It was. It was pretty breezy. It was pretty breezy. Um, and I, the second day, I think I got onto the seventeenth fairway, and the rain started. So I might have been like maybe seventh last group, something like that. And the guys would have had it tough the last hour. Um, I mean, I think the playoff was really, really pretty poor weather-wise. Um, so no, it was pretty tricky day. So I say because when we spoke to to Reese um, in an episode earlier, when and that was just around at the time that Dornick was on, and he was chatting about like the weather and you know how tough it was it was for the guys, but then also how tough the par threes were at Dornick. I mean the par threes. I mean even in a calm day um, are tough. I mean the second holes one ninety eight, I think. I mean two massive bunkers at the front, big drop offs left, right, and the back. Sixth hole again. I mean, you're hitting nine iron, but you miss it right, you're looking at four. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because the lie is so tight down the right-hand side, it's actually really tough to hit a good chip, like a proper good chip. Um, but no, all the parties are either. You could you could, you could, could be four over in a heartbeat round there, bogey every one of them mm-hmm. um, quite easily. Now, obviously with uh, St. Major coming on the podcast, uh, Philip. Mike Pocock dropped a comment on Facebook asking about what happened on the minibus after winning the Scottish at Ross. So can you bring us up to speed with what actually Scott, happened on the... Scottish Area Team Championship, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I, I mean, I probably had just too much drink for, I might have been like maybe 21 at a time or something, and... I mean, the, the officials themselves were absolutely delighted that the Northeast won. Um, the players were delighted. We had a really good team. Um, so we obviously won um, against Renfrewshire. We got the trophy, and the trophy is absolutely massive. So no idea who actually bought the champagne, but they filled it up. And I think I've probably just tried to show off a wee bit too much and guzzled a, a wee bit too much drink and hit me about half an hour later and I've spewed all over the bus <laughs> and we got to Dundee. So um, I tried to tried to kind of manage to get out the side door, but it didn't quite happen. 
So I kind of made a bit of a fool of myself, to be honest. But um, I was quite thankful, thankful to George Young, who was secretary at the time, might still be. And he actually cleaned everything up and handed the bus back the next day and sent me a text. So I was pretty thankful to him because I was quite embarrassed when I when I did it. Like, but no, that was uh, that was good. That was that was a great win for us because, as I say, we had a great team and that week we probably were favourites and it's never never that easy to win. Um, so to to actually do it with a good team was was brilliant, man. But thanks, thanks, Mike. For, thanks, Mike, for putting me in there. I think you have to enjoy the celebration. So you know, like yeah. it's not it's a game of money disappointments, and I think whenever you have, oh, that's it. I, that's it. You need a you need a bit of fun. And I think probably, I mean, I do like a laugh and that, but probably a lot of people wouldn't even take me like that. A lot of people would say, "Oh, it's fairly pretty quiet and stuff like that." But uh, you've got to, you've got to enjoy yourself. I think definitely. Um. So if we've got any younger golfers out there listening to this podcast, what would be the advice you'd give them to to get better as a golfer? And like, what sort of goals should they be looking I mean, to set for themselves? I mean, even you see mum and dads asking like me just now, like when do you want my son or daughter to start playing? Or I mean, you could always take them over and that, but I mean, seven or eight, maybe something like that along that line before you're really saying I'm wanting to go golf and stuff like that. But I mean, when you get to a point that golf is for you and you're wanting to get better, I mean, I mean, it sounds boring, but hard work. I mean, you see kids that are very talented, but I mean, to get up to maybe scratch a handicap before they're 16 or something like that, you've got to put in the sessions. And if that's three hours a week hitting balls or doing a short game, um, that is that is a big thing. But again. Going back to the start, like when I was a junior, we had a lot of competitive stuff. So as much competitive tournaments as you can play, like traveling away, like don't be just scared to think, oh, I'm just going to stick to my home course and I'm going to try and cut my handicap. Go away and play like Cruden Bay Open or Ellen, Royal Aberdeen, whatever. And just and that's how you learn. That's how you improve on your game, I think. Mm-hmm. Because you actually can get so used to playing round your course, and I think you just get stuck at that level. I think if you, if I mean, if if kids are wanting to really um, kick on, um, I, I would I would say play as much away from home as you can, um, because it does help. I think it's that thing about being a a big fish in a small pond. Do you know what I yeah, mean? You know, yeah, you have to be willing to step out of that pond and go yeah, into the sea. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I mean. I've always said like little juniors at the club and stuff like, and my dad said as well, like people think, oh, Philip's in a privileged position. And a lot of these guys that came on the podcast are, are like myself and are lucky to play golf, but it's open to everybody. I mean, like, it's not like I've just said, oh, I'm going to turn pro. And like, it is actually open to everybody. If they actually put in the time, like, and again, like even when I was young, you miss like, 18th birthday parties, you missed 21st with your mates because you're away traveling down to Glasgow on a Saturday, you're playing 36 holes Sunday. You've mm-hmm. got to be committed um, to, to, to accept and, and do that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it just comes comes to individuals, I suppose, when they get to that age. But no, you've got to enjoy it as well. That's I, I mean, you, you see, I've coached two kids that they're probably 14 and 12. 
And that's what I keep on saying to him. I'm like, when they do play, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? It's point one on your handicap. Like, it's point one. The next day or next weekend, you shoot a really good score. You could take point six, point seven off. Yeah. Um, so that's, a, that's the thing with kids, that you've really got to just enjoy it. And they get bombarded like, oh, my handicap's going up. Like, so what? Because mm-hmm. um, you'll cut it. You'll cut it really quick. Yeah. So, so that's why I would say. Yeah. Sound advice. <laughs> right, Phil. Nine hole challenge. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a start today. How do you think we're going to get on? Get a good score at you, or what do you think? Oh well, I mean, the last of. I've heard a lot of the podcast, and I think minus ten maybe, but I, I think I'd be pushing maybe a, I don't know seven or eight maybe. There is a maybe a few of the questions I've heard that I don't know. I'll, I'll uh, find my best. We're, we're playing. We're playing just a par threes at Dornick today, so we'll see. How you go. <laughs> Aye, six over through nine. <laughs> right. Okay. Question one. Um, what's the your favourite golf club that you've owned over the years? Um. One I've got maybe now still. I mean, I've got a Odyssey Black Series number one putter that I bought. I would think 2008, the King's Links at the time. I was playing a tournament at uh, St Andrews, and obviously the greens are big. But I think I had like 36 and 38 putts for the, the two rounds, and I just said, right, that's enough. Um, so I'm going to get a putter I actually really like, and I'm still putting it with putting with it now. I think it came out the bag maybe two years ago, but it's crept back in. And you always go back to something you really like. Um, it always comes back. But um, no, I would probably say the Odyssey putter, yeah. What, what year did you say you got that putter again? I think it was 2007, 2008, something along that lines. Um, so it's still still going. How, how many putters have you had in that time, Dave? Uh, I normally average about three putters a year, so that's probably <laughs> pushing into double figures. I think the yeah. fact you're you're still gaming it like that's the fact you're still gaming it's a birdie. I'm gonna hate you mm-hmm. a birdie for that. Take that, take that. Although I'm interested to know like what went in the bag when it had its wee wee holiday. Um, I bought a putter again, Polar Golf Center. Just I, I I'm I'm like that. I probably own four putters, but. I really have to like him before I buy them. Like, really have to like him. And it was one of these, like, uh, Odyssey blades. It was like a huge line. And I use line to line up uh, the ball. And it just sat really nice. It's an ugly, ugly thing. But I really liked it. And mm-hmm. again, it probably stayed in the bag for six months. But the Odyssey's, Odyssey's pushed out. <laughs> nice. Well, Odyssey's got yeah, birdie. So you're one under. Just on a technology question, Philip. I mean, you said you're using a blade. Did you, the Odyssey putter that you had beforehand, was that a face balance putter? Like, do you go between a blade or do you go? Uh, I'm, I'm a toe balanced uh, putter, Dave. Um, always have been. Um, I Again, like one of the putters I did buy, um, all Odysseys, um, was face balanced. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, I, I don't know, I kind of like shorten it. I do pull my putts a little bit. So if I've got a left to right putt, like I will probably take less off it and I kind of pull, pull it in. And I know I do that. So it's quite good with the, with the toe balance for that. But when I was um, putting with the face balance, I just, honestly, I just didn't like it. Um, just didn't like it at all. So no, I always kind of go for the toe balance putters. Yeah. 
might help me. Um, might go putter shopping this week. Uh, so <laughs> I might just take that. He took yes. that advice. All right, next question. What's your favorite golf hole in the Northeast? Mm, thought about this one a few times because obviously listen to the podcast and a lot of guys have been saying Royal Aberdeen, the eighth hole, uh, Merker. Um, but I would honestly say, and this kind of strange for a Peterhead guy to say, but I would honestly say the 17th Fraserburgh um because it's obviously at the end of the end of the round. Um but it's one eighty nine I think. Um pop bunker front right, kind of thickish rough right, um pin high of that and then a big drop off left, big long green. But again like any links course you could be hitting nine iron or three wood or something. But mm -hmm. it's a it's a really good hole and it's one of these holes that it's a bit like Ahead, Fraserburgh. Um, if there's a lot of good holes, but if they were on TV golf, mm -hmm. people would be like saying, Oh, that's the best part three I've seen in years. But because it's Fraserburgh and Peterhead, nobody sees them. And mm -hmm. like, I mean, Peterhead's probably got like six really, really good holes, but nobody mm -hmm. really knows about them. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I would say 17th at Fraserburgh, I would say. I'm going for a birdie because you're keeping it local. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't fancy Kings Barnes or anything doing that way, no? <laughs> played played uh, played Carnoustie six weeks ago at the 18th. That is some hole. So it's one of that tee shots that you've got to just step up and just hit it, mm -hmm. man up. No, no negative thoughts. What did you make on it? What did you hit in? I first day I hit driver seven, made four. And then the second day, I hit driver three iron and made five. I hit in the bunker right. Um, so it was actually, probably you would probably take that for the for the two rounds, to be honest, um, because was, I, I did hear it was a lot of high numbers. Um, so no. Mm -hmm. But now getting back on, to, I would probably say 17th of trade, right? All right. Two under or three, two? Okay. Question three, what is the funniest thing you've seen whilst playing golf? <laughs> There's probably nothing that comes close to this story. Um, I was in Morocco five years ago, say, and I know this German guy um, really well. And I've actually played British British boys stuff with him um, years ago. So we're playing this par three, um, really, really tough. Old. It's like a six iron or something, but green is tiny, bunker left, um, hazard right, and he's pushed it a little bit and it's just stayed like literally a foot away from the line and the red line um, so it's above ground and he goes behind it to to try and get a line for his chip um, to see the ball but he's now realised that the black matten is like literally just beside the stones um, so he's went straight into the straight into the hazard um, so he's head head right under the water um, and it gets even better because he's came up obviously had a laugh to be honest fair play to him but his dad has then tried to get him out and give him the putter grip to try and get him out and he's actually pulled his dad in <laughs> who's caddying to him and his dad has actually kicked the ball in as well 
So he's actually even <laughs> more done because he's now playing caddy is in the water at a par three. Me and my playing partner can't even walk, like look at them for laughing. <laughs> and he's actually his caddy has actually kicked the ball in the hazard, so he's actually been penalised, and he's absolutely stinking. So it was it was one of these things that honestly, I mean, Kevin Duncan was on the podcast, and I heard him saying like. With the caddy thing, your shoulders—you were absolutely gone. Um, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. I mean, I think the funny part was the caddy going in because he was trying to get, trying to get him out, um, <laughs> and he's—he's—he's—he's he's, he's been dragged in as well. Um, but uh, it was—it was class, and I mean, he actually carried on and shot a decent score um, because I mean that could just—I mean it's a fourth hole, fourth hole of the round. Uh-huh. Um, so it's re- I mean, you're an hour into your day, and could seriously, I mean, you put in all that time and effort to to get. You'd have uh, I mean, probably dried out in a couple of holes being Morocco, like. Aye, probably. Um, aye, aye. Well, it's probably smell the same as the caddies over there. Probably. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna give you an eagle, and I wish I could give this pure boy an eagle as well for his performance getting hauled into the water. But, well. I did. I did know uh, when I came on. I did know there was going to be one, at least one good answer, um, because it was an absolute belter. I mean, I, I, I still see him now and again when I do travel, and I feel sorry for him every time I see him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go, Eagle. Right, Philip. What's your most embarrassing moment in the course? Um, something that still kind of haunts me a wee bit. Um, played the Scottish Amateur in '07 at Craigie Law. And um, I'm not sure if you guys have played Craigie Law. Um, putting greens right next to the first tee, um, and I've taken three wood out and full on topped it um, in front of about 30 people. Um, and I was kind of playing okay at the time, and just full on topped it about 20 yards off the tee. And luckily for me, it, the tee is quite high up, so it run maybe an extra 50 or something. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> But no, it's one of these things that I still still remember um, about topping it off that tee. Um, it's one of them because I, I mean, you know what people's watching you as well. Um, different if you're out in the course, there's only two guys laughing at you instead of about forty-five people laughing at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of them. You pick up a tee and you've just got to hit it, hit the second shot in front of them again as well. So <laughs> um, no, definitely, I would say definitely topping it off the tee at Scottish Amateur. Did you make a par? I did actually make par. Luckily, the hole is under 400. I'm not sure exactly how long, but I did. I did make par. Probably did my usual and got up and down. I'm going to give you a birdie because you made par. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Actually, I, I really, I did, I did make par because that was one of the things I, I do remember as well. Um, but no, oh, I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, question five, Phil. Have you? Um... Have you ever been starstruck at an event when you've seen someone? Oh, only guy I could say I wasn't playing golf with um, that I saw playing a professional tournament was Alan Shearer. Um, played the EuroPro at Close House, um, which obviously he's a member at Alan Shearer. So we're playing the 10th. I've obviously played nine holes in the morning. He's standing at the 10th watching guys um, hit off the 10th tee. But it's a par five, so you've got a bit of weight. 
So you're kind of like checking him out a little bit. And the thing that amazed me, well, obviously he's a pretty ex-football player. He was absolutely massive, so solid. Um, and that's it was kind of one of them. You see him on TV, you don't actually realise until you're standing next to him, like, this boy is a unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're thinking, in the other back of your mind, you're like, I've got to hit a good shot here because he's watching these three pros thinking they're going to, and I, I think I hit like a three wood up in the middle, a decent enough shot. But no, uh, I mean, it wasn't so much starstruck. It was just one of these little bits of pressure that the thing inside your head is like, just hit a good one because somebody famous is actually watching. So, yeah, uh, Alan Shearer, definitely. Hmm. That must be weird, though, to, you know, you've watched him as a boy growing up playing football on a TV yeah, every, every yeah. weekend, and all yeah. of a sudden he's standing on a tee watching you. Yeah, uh, uh, it was weird. He was actually with, um, and I'm surprised I didn't actually say it, it was, he was actually with Alan Thompson, the ex-Celtic left mm-hmm. midfielder. He was actually standing with him because um, he was maybe coach at the time. Um, so the two of them were standing at the tee, um, but it was more Alan Shearer, even though I'm, I mean, I'm a Celtic fan. Yeah, Alan say. Thompson, I remember, I remember Alan Thompson when I was growing up, the, the Martin and Neal's teams, but it was just Alan Shearer because, like, I mean, is he not like the top goal scorer in Premier League history or something like that? But um, no, it was definitely him. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to geek out Birdie because. Why not? Eh? <laughs> I, oh, you can hear. If you, I'd, I'd rather, to be honest, I'd give you an eagle if you topped a three wood in front of Alan Shearer because oh, yeah, <laughs> that, that would have been. I'll give you a birdie. You can hear birdie. Next question, Philip. Question six: What would be your dream four ball, and which course would you play? Mm, I would say. Course, I would probably say Carnoustie. Um, I would probably go Carnoustie. Um, even though, I mean, you've got Augusta, which I've never played. I mean, everybody's dream probably to play Augusta and really that, but I just love Lynx. Um, growing up in Lynx, I, I mean, I think if I had one game to, to say that right next week you've got like one game of golf that you're going to enjoy the rest of your life, I probably would pick Lynx. And so Carnoustie, um, I'd probably go Tiger. That's an obvious one. Um, I'd probably go Butch Harmon. Pardon? I was going to say they don't have to be golfers. You can pick. I, I've got two. I've got two golfers. One non-golfer. Um, okay. First one would be Tiger. Um, next one would be Butch Harmon. Mm-hmm. Um, purely because I think he's coach one. One well, the best guy um, in his prime, coached others as well. So I think it'd be fascinating to to get around a golf with him and kind of pick his brains about technique. I suppose um, would be pretty cool. And I mean, I think probably Kevin Bridges just for just for the laugh. I'd actually probably like to see like how Tiger kind of gets along with that as well. Um, <laughs> I like I, I do like Kevin Bridges stuff. I like I like his humour. Um, helps he's a Celtic fan as well so uh, no I'd probably say him just and he'd probably he'd probably be the type of guy he probably wouldn't even play golf he'd just probably walk around and hit a few shots so he would get around quick enough I thought you were going to say someone like Henrik Larsson or Martin yeah, I think, yeah I think it's too obvious it was actually it was funny because I used to go down a lot of Celtic games with my dad when I was young and 
kind of, uh, say, 15, 16, I remember, maybe even younger, I remember standing outside Celtic Park once and waiting for Larson as you're down the one weekend of the year. Mm. And you blanked everybody, yeah, to be honest. And honestly, I kid you not, like, there was guys like Tom Boyd, like, they're taking, like, photos of every, aye, everybody. Mm. Larson's yeah. just literally went in his car and went away. I mean, I'm not holding that against him, but we were we were shocked, uh, to be honest, because, I mean, you've got, like, about 500 Celtic fans outside after the game waiting on an autograph, and he literally mm-hmm. went in his car. Mm-hmm. So, um, but no, um, I, I think Kevin Bridges, just for, just for the funny side of things, um, but definitely Tiger and Butch, I would definitely maybe get them together again. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I was going to say that might be quite interesting watching the two of them converse after everything. Yeah. But I'm going to give you a birdie for the sheer fact that you went for Kevin Bridges and uh, Tiger. I think it would be quite, as you say, it would be quite interesting to see how Tiger will cope with uh, mm. Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> that would be pretty funny. <laughs> um, who would you have play you in a movie of your life, Bill? This, this is the one I'm kind of struggling at. Um, Kevin Bridges. Kevin Bridges, yeah. I, uh, I've actually been told by two or three of my pals that I look, and I, I honestly don't believe this, and, but a few of my pals have said I look like Robert Lewandowski, the guy for Bayern Munich. So uh, I think it'd be quite funny, him and his Polish voice trying to speak Peter Heed would be quite funny as well. Um, so like if you actually got him with the same hairstyle speaking Peter Heed in his Polish accent would be pretty funny I think but um, if it wasn't him I'm quite a fan of, uh, well I can't even remember his, his name he played Ant-Man he's in Role Models guy with the black hair he's mm-hmm. absolutely genius all the, all the films he's in are a big fan of but I think for comedy factor I don't know I tell you what, you, I tell you what, he's actually missed a trick um, getting Kev Duncan on before me because he he's quite good at mocking the way I speak. Um, so he's quite he's quite good at acting, Phil, I suppose. So you could have actually got Kev to do a few impressions, but um, no, I think for a film film point of view, if you guys know the name of that guy, it's probably going to put me against getting a birdie. I can't even remember his name. He played like he was in role models and. I think he was Ant-Man, I think. I think his name is Paul Rudd, isn't it? Paul Rudd, that's him, right. I think he's class. Uh, he's absolutely brilliant. Um, well, what answer are you going for? Because between Lewandowski and Paul Rudd, one of, one of them's going to be a birdie. What's giving me the birdie? <laughs> one's um, a birdie, one's a par. What are you going with? I'll go... Um, I'll go Lewandowski. Just That's a, it's, a, it's a birdie. A back hole birdie. Well done. I'll go. I'll go um, it was one of those things, like we've had people on here before that are like, oh yeah, that mates say I look like. Mm. And you just, you've, you're just like waiting on the edge of your seat. Who is it? Who is it? And then yeah. they say it and you're like, oh yeah. my God, how yeah. have I never seen that before? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, well, I, um, we went, the pilot thinks I look like him. We were actually on his stagger two years ago in Munich. And we uh, went to the stadium, did the stadium tour, and there was actually a poster of him outside, and he got me to stand and do the same. It was quite funny. But I, I honestly cannot see it. Um, but my pal's adamant. But... I reckon Halloween or fancy dress party, you get, a Bayern, <laughs> get a Bayern Munich kit on and walk in, and 
Oh, here's, yeah. me, here's me cutting a bit, Peter, here with the red socks and the red <laughs> uh, shorts on. Eight under. Eight, eight under. Eight under and two to play. Mm-hmm. Two to play. Hmm. Question number eight. If you were to create the greatest golfer all around, what's, what skills would you take from which golfers to do so, Philip? Um... I would go driver, I would go, this again might sound strange, but purely for the shape factor, I would go Bubba Watson and length, obviously. But I would go him because, I mean, what he can do left to right, right to left, I mean, that's such a such an advantage. I mean, it's, if, if he has a good week as well, drive it long, um, I would go him, even though I'm not a fan of him, to be honest. Um, Irons, Tiger, it's pretty obvious. Um, as a few people said that. Um, Putting, I'd go Steve Stricker. I actually remember watching him years ago, and he can he can roll it. Um, he's really good with a putter. Um, short game, I'd go Patrick Hartman, um, purely because um, I was fortunate enough to grow up and get kind of coaching for Paul Laurie himself um, when I was 15, 16. And I remember him saying to me um, one day, he would rank himself in the top 10 for sure on the European tour. And he was like, Podrick Hart is 10 times better than me. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, I was watching Paul hitting chips and I was like, this guy is just amazing. Huh? And I mean, I obviously try and chip like him now, the same technique and same sort of ideas because that's what he he was helping me at the time. But when he said that Porter Carter was 10 times better than him, I was just like, couldn't really believe it. But he said he does play it slightly different, that Porter Carton kind of spins a lot of stuff, plays it higher. Paul's playing things along the ground a wee bit more. So they are different in the way they chip. But when you look at Harton's major wins as well, like it's absolutely crazy some of the chip shots he's, he's played. People forget what the chip shot that he hit in the open. Remember the chip shot he hit uh, after he kind of messed up on the 18th of Canusti and then he hit this like low spinny shot into uh-huh. like two foot yeah, you know, to get yeah. into the playoff, you know? So Yeah. Well, I think they say that supposedly he gets new wedges every week, whether that's true or not. Um, that's, how, that's how he plays it. Everything's sharp. Um, and is our mental side or yeah 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 uh, mental side is obviously good um just i mean just his sheer will to win um i remember was it uh the putt against rocco mediate i mean he's literally got like what 20 feet to to get in the playoff Um it's not even to win it's just to get in a playoff to play the next day and you just knew uh, i was actually playing british amateur at the time down in turnbury and uh, you could just you just knew he was going to hold it. I mean, there was no no ifs or buts, nothing. You just knew he was going to hold it. Um, so, I mean, there's nobody even close to him mentally. Um, nobody, nobody close. I'm going to give you a birdie because you went with Harrington for the short game. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the... I don't think many people would have picked Harrington for a short game, but you're right. Like, if you think back... I, to your shots, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I wouldn't have picked Harrington if somebody... Um, asked me before but it was just when Paul said to me when I mean it's going back 15 years ago but I can still remember it when he said 10 times better than me I was like I couldn't have really believe it to be honest 
Right. What score are we at? So we're at. He's, he's sitting nine under. A whole under. This is the chance of an eagle here. This next question. Chance to tie up. Bound to your life here. Right. If you weren't a golf professional, Phil, what would you be? Um, I mean, for people that really know me, um, I'm a big fan of doing my grass in my garden. So I'd probably say head greenkeeper at an open venue. Like any open venue, if I was a head greenkeeper there, I'd be, that would, I, it's probably the only thing it would, I mean, obviously a top golf coach would be really cool, but I think it's quite obvious to say, but I think if I was like a top greenkeeper, I would, that would be my dream. I mean, I cut the grass for half an hour a week and I'm delighted, so. Um, <laughs> but I think, I would say, I'd say head greenkeeper somewhere, yeah. I was uh, I was cutting my grass today and it looked like the US Open with the thick buff. What a, jo <laughs> what a job right. it was. What a right. fun. Right. Not the tees. It was a nightmare. <laughs> so you say any any open venue, what, what would be your uh, dream, like, dream open venue? What would be the one? Any, I mean, again, any Lynx course, any any Lynx course in Scotland, can I, can I head Greenkeeper Carnoustie? Or, I mean, it's never going to happen ever, but I would, I would it'd be the closest thing to probably get enjoyment like what I do get just now. Like, obviously, I'm fortunate doing what I do. But um, I think if, if I said, like, enough's enough in a few years' time, or mm -hmm. if I ever came, like, I don't know, but if it did, I do think I'd probably get a lot of enjoyment. To do would that. you take great pleasure in setting the course up on like crazy? Or no, would you say no, that? it'd be it'd be pretty pretty fair. Um, but I would just <laughs> I, I would just I just I don't know. I just get the buzz of seeing stuff improve. I think I think that's I think that's probably why I enjoy doing the garden because I see improvement. But if if you if you were to cut all the all the rough short up the right hand side for me, that would be perfect. <laughs> um, so bear in mind, there's a score at stake here. Yeah. We're going maybe, maybe like a Carnoustie or something or anything, including Bay. Yeah, Bay, Carnoustie, you're going. Cool. Like, <laughs> aye, like, aye. Um, no. Bay, no, Eagle, no. no. Uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll give you another birdie for that. That's a good answer. Okay. Well done, Philip. Well, thank you. I'll take uh, 10 under through nine any day. Some good scoring, aye. Tied at the top, is it? Tied at the top. Tied at the top, yeah. There's quite a few people on 10 under. It's quite a playoff for the end uh, of this. Get a bat nine. So the last part of the interview, we, we go through quick fire questions, Philip, which I'm sure okay. you've probably heard in your other podcasts if you listen to them, but I'm going to get things underway. I'm going to ask you the first question. Would you rather shank it or miss a tapping? Miss a tapping. Buggy or walk for the eating holes? Mm, probably walk. Iron head covers or no head covers? No head colours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, windy or still? Windy. Wooden tea or castle tea? Wooden. But what I would say is I never use a red wooden tea. Never. It's the only one. Use, use any wooden tea bar red. That's similar to why. Ross McConaughey. I think he said that, didn't he? Yeah. Right, red's danger, mate. You don't use red teas. If, if I see a red wooden tea brand new lying by the tea box, I'll just leave it. Whereas every other one I pick up. <laughs> uh, a yardage book or a rangefinder? Uh, probably rangefinder. 
Blade or cavity? Mm, blade. I think we know the answer to this one is, but a stinger or a stratosphere ball? Yeah, well, I've only got one, and I would probably say stinger, yeah. White trousers or shorts? Mm, probably struggle at both, uh, to be honest, but if I had to pick one, it'd be shorts. Um, but no, not a fan. I'm more a black trouser kind of guy. <laughs> uh, chip or putt? Putt. Layup or all out? I'd probably go layup, to be honest, because, I mean, I'm, near, I'm probably hitting like 280 or something off the tee, so I may go in like mental at par fives, so my wedges are pretty good, so I'd probably be boring and say layup, even though it's probably not the right answer. You've got, you've got the clutch short game, though. You can get up and doing so. Well, that's, that's how my game is, I suppose. Exactly. Uh, last question, and the arguably the most important question. Tin Cup or Happy Gilmore? Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. One of, the, one of the best movies of all time, that. That's a, a double eagle. <laughs> oh, sorry, was that Tin Cup you were talking about there? One of the best movies of all time, that. Yeah. No, not for me. Yeah. So, Philip, listen, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate you coming on and giving us um, a bit of an no insight problem. into who you are. Because as you say, like, it's it's getting to know people like yourself and kind of understanding the kind of things as you go through on a, on a day-to-day basis with the traveling, with golf, yeah. the compete, yeah. and everything that's going on at the minute with the, the current lockdown. No problem. It's uh, been good to be on and good to see you guys again. All right, definitely. But you say, we'll try and get a game and organize as well. It's been a while. so Definitely. Definitely yeah. get a game. Get, definitely um, get something sorted. Darren, did I ever tell you about the first time I ever played with Philip? No. No. He started Birdie Eagle at Kemney. He held a 30 footer <laughs> for an Eagle in the second at Kemney. I kind of was almost backing up to the clubhouse after that. Yeah. <laughs> First time no. I played with David at Kemney, I birdied the first hole. And then it just went <laughs> steeply downhill from there. Double, double, triple. <laughs> yeah, horrific. Anyway, I don't want to keep you too long for you. have probably got no. bottles or nappies to be sorting out just now. Yeah, so. I've got um, probably get a change change before she's bedded. But I know she's uh, she's doing good. But uh, no, big, uh, big change. Well, thanks. Thanks again for coming on. We'll uh, no let problem. you go and get yourself sorted. No problem, right. guys. Thanks. Catch up with you soon, buddy. Thank Bye. you. See you later, Philip. Bye. 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 Bye.